PYT, catching all that. <laughs> I like you, DC. Yeah, when I'm gone, the whole city miss me. I'm on my UK shit. Get me the eye of a bangle, shuffle in my icky. Y'all boomer, you need you an MD like Eastside Sin. Dominating other Eastside shall commence. And I shall commence it. I'm the truth, Joe. Though they try to block me like Munoz. I know my call is worth like phone call. I get brain hurry day. I'ma know it all. More birds than I know it all. Cool, y'all. Keep talking, but know it all. Welcome to episode 33 of the British Wrestling Experience on postwrestling.com. And I'm your host. Martin Bushby and joining me is Richard Benson aka Benno and Benno I was away for a couple of weeks on holiday and you and Will Cooling seemingly turned the show into the British politics experience. <laughs> we did yeah but Will uh, in his own way exp- explained Brexit to me he put it in uh, terms I could understand uh, explaining what would happen with uh, wrestling imports and the, the most important things of uh, this ridiculous Brexit thing going on so yeah I learned a lesson hopefully the listeners did. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I was joking there. I mean, I thought it was quite interesting hearing how uh, Brexit might affect uh, imports for UK companies. <laughs> Hopefully, the promoters were listening. And uh, and also joining us, back by very popular demand, uh, it's the all-around Irish legend. It's uh, Jamesy joining us again. Jamesy, thanks for joining us this week. No problem. My pleasure to be here again. Um it's funny, every time I talk to you guys, it feels like it's been in the aftermath of an exhausting weekend of wrestling. Yeah. I think the last time was just the last time was just after WXW. And this time is we're still I'm still not fully over WrestleMania weekend and just the ridiculous amount of wrestling that we all watched that weekend. Yeah, that's when we bring in the big guns after the big weekends. That's why. <laughs> Thanks a million. Thank you. Indeed. And uh, James, you won't be our only guest this week. Uh, MLW CEO, Court Bauer, uh, will be dropping in to chat all about the premiere of MLW on Free Sports and uh, much, much more to do with his company. So that'll be coming later in the show. And uh, I mean, it'd be remiss of me, Benno, not to talk about uh, the Viking experience from uh, Monday Raw this past week. I mean, uh, <laughs> is, the is that not the name of our pod- show now? You are sorry. <laughs> Is that not the name of our show now? Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking of changing it. I mean, it was in no way experience. stolen from Joe Rogan, <laughs> of course. I mean, uh, yeah. the appropriation of our, our IP by WWE. I mean, I found it quite funny that uh, Jorvik Viking Centre in York tweeted about this, saying they were the only place that offers the true Viking experience. I don't know if any of you guys have checked that place out. No, never. The only the only Viking experience I'm aware of is the the famous tag team on Raw. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> like you say, stole our name. We're talking talking British Viking experience works better, or the Viking wrestling experience. I think they've uh, they both got a ring to it. Maybe we could get them to uh, fill in every other Wednesday on post for us. <laughs> Maybe, but I don't think uh, I anyone that's met me knows that I haven't got the uh, hairline or the hair anymore to quite. Uh... Myself a Viking, so uh, I don't know if you fancy growing out a mullet or uh, wearing some kind of pointy hat. No, not for me. I can't grow a beard, mate. I'm 34 and I still can't. So uh, <laughs> I'd be no, I'd be no good as a Viking. Maybe, maybe James, he could do it. <laughs> no, again, the, uh, my hairline would beg to disagree. I think at this stage, <laughs> um, we do have we do have a Viking splash tour here in Ireland, um, where it's it's a real touristy thing where you you. Um, it's it's like it's like one of those bus tours. So you you go on a bus around Dublin, but the end of the tour, then the bus converts into a boat, and they literally drive you into the the canal around Dublin and take you for a little spin around the water as well. So um, I remember there was there was a there was a bunch of us that go to OTT actually. Well, I, I wasn't on it, but a bunch of people who go did it one time, and um, Avalanche. 
WXW wrestler Avalanche was due to come over a while back there for the ill-fated Courage Wrestling show, which was cancelled. And it was a pity because they they had actually ended the... Alan and Sarah had planned to bring him on the Viking Splash Tour, so maybe he could be a third <laughs> member of the. He could be a third member of the Viking experience. <laughs> Don't give him any ideas. Oh God, imagine <laughs> that'd be hilarious. Um, but I mean, moving away from Vikings and um, and on to WrestleMania week. I mean, we're a, a week and a bit removed from it now, and um, I mean, we aren't going to go too into depth on all the shows uh, that happened that week. Uh, but well, it was quite a representation from uh, European companies and wrestlers. You had WXW and Red Pro running shows over there. Zack Sabre Jr. defending the Red Pro belt at Madison Square Garden. Jamie Hayter featuring Stardom. And uh, the small matter of Walter V. Pete Dunn for the NXT UK belt. Oh, and uh, then I think IPW UK ran a show, but I can't confirm or deny that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, um, I was safely nestled in the bubble of Disney World where access to wrestling strictly through an iPad, so I only really managed to watch bits of TakeOver and WrestleMania. I mean, managed to catch up on bits since I've been back, but Benno, you along with uh, JP Hoolihan on Fury, Sonny and Hamilton were providing uh, ample coverage uh, back over here in the UK watching tons and tons of shows. Um, I mean, so we'll go with you first before we get to James. I mean, what were some of your Euro highlights from uh, WrestleMania weekend? Yeah, uh, like you say, me and uh, JP on our, our Grapple podcast uh, tried our best to cover everything. I dragged them k- kicking and screaming into it for the uh, the second year running. I think he loved it, really, though. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's always fun. Uh, as far as like European highlights go, it it wasn't really a big breakout year for anyone, I wouldn't say. I felt like going into the weekend, I thought I was going to see a lot of Aussie Open. I, I watched about four or five streaming shows a night. I think I, I've counted now, uh, and I think it turned out to be 21 shows altogether that I watched in full, plus plus some additional That's matches crazy. on top from other events. Yeah, I, I've got to think of uh, better things to do with my weekends than this. But yeah, we uh, we watched a lot, and yeah, I expected to see you know the likes of them a lot more than I did. Um, but they look good. You know, I saw them on the Beyond show, which was kind of the first show on the Wednesday uh, where they stood out. Um, but that was kind of it, really. You didn't see a lot of British representation on the US indie cards, where I saw most of the Brit Res and Euro guys was, you know, well, not a huge amount of them on the Revro show because that was kind of stacked with Japanese talent. Mm-hmm. But, you know, WXW, at least for the part, was was very, very, um, I don't know, I'd say a legitimate wxw show it was very authentic uh as far as the show and lots of with lots of wxw talent on there i think they had of the the two promotions who's like you say well i don't think we're ever going to see that ipw uk show mm-hmm. but of the uh, of the euro promotions that actually had the show that was streaming live uh, it was basically those two and i think wxw probably won the battle for me as far as showcasing what their promotion was showcasing you know, the uh, the big uh, the David Starr and Walter feud, despite the fact Walter wasn't even on the show, although I was allegedly there backstage, uh, showcasing the likes of Avalanche. And, you know, they had a, a really good um, Aussie Open tag on there as well. Um, yeah, I think WXW is probably my highlight of uh, as far as the Euro stuff for the weekend goes, just because they did that. They went over, presented their product as it's intended to be seen. And uh, I believe, I don't believe they did, hugely well as far as ticket sales went i think there was a bit of walk up on the day but all in all i think uh, you know with matches like that lucky kid david star match and aussie open against uh, i think it was the workhorseman with the uh the fake james drake uh their match as well um they kind of made the for me the best account of themselves as far as uh euros abroad this year 
I mean, James, did you uh, manage to check much out from uh, Mania weekend? I did my best, yeah. Like, I, I didn't get anywhere near Benno's 21 shows, unfortunately. Um, I was in work on the Friday and the Monday. I just ran out of days off. I would have loved to take a few days off around the weekend and just completely immerse myself in it. Um, so I got to see the main shows. Like, I, I managed to stay up for NXT. That was the Friday night. I got about halfway through the MSG show on the Saturday and had to tap out, mainly because of ROH. <laughs> um, and I actually managed to sit through the whole of WrestleMania, which I'm actually, I, I take wow. a kind That's of, per, I take a perverse pleasure in that. Like it's a, a ridiculous thing to do because I got to bed at half five, having sat through the whole thing. And I was back up at 7 a.m. Like I, I was going into work that morning thinking like, what am I actually doing with my life here? <laughs> You know, like, I think it was a seven hours in total. Um, and I suppose if you're talking about, about you're like, I think Benno's covered a lot of the European wrestling from an Irish point of view, I suppose, just the fact that we had Becky Lynch in the main event, I think was, was a really mm. big deal for us, you know? Um, I, I, unfortunately, I think it was kind of, for me, it was a little bit tarnished. I think they, they just executed the whole thing very poorly. Um, I think that the match itself wasn't what I really hoped. Like I, I did think that they had a great main event in them, um, but what they came up with was kind of a bit of a mess. It felt a bit rushed. It felt very spotty. It, 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 it they didn't build any dra- drama in it. They didn't kind of they didn't put Becky in any danger. Like I mean that they had done the storyline of her having that knee injury coming into the coming into the show. The obvious thing would have been for them to attack that knee and, you know put the whole thing in doubt and then have her come back and have a big comeback and win it. And in the end, they kind of fell between doing that and doing nothing. And, you know, I think we've all talked about the finish till we're blue in our faces, kind of a sloppy anticlimactic finish in the end, you know, but still a great thing. Like, I mean, you know, when you think about Irish wrestling and you think about how it really wasn't, there was nothing 15 years ago and you think about where we are now and you know it's still a big deal for us that an Irish wrestler would main event Wrestlemania and um, be standing tall at the end you know you can't take that away Was there uh, much uh, mainstream coverage for uh, Becky Adline in Wrestlemania over there in Ireland? Not as much as I thought, to be honest. I, 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 there was a little bit here and there, kind of the week of it. There was a little bit, but um, like there would have been some chatter on the on, on the radio stations coming up to it the morning after. There was a little bit of chatter. Um, the following Saturday, in one of the in one of the big weekly, the Irish Independent had uh, one of the big weekly newspapers had a big write up about um, the training school she would have come through. They went out there and chatted to the likes of it was a fight factory. Um, so you'd have Justy there and Katie Harvey and, and that bunch, you know. So they, they did a bit of a feature on that. So it's, it's nice from that point of view that the that the grassroots. Um, wrestling schools kind of get a little bit of publicity out of it as well you know um but i was a bit disappointed i thought there'd be an awful lot more you know yeah it's weird that you think you know um they'd be big, building up for this big homecoming but i guess that you know that that might still happen if she's still a champion when she comes back uh i suppose we're gonna have to wait and see on that one but i suppose the big sort of like british uh european match of the weekend was uh pete dunn v walter i mean 
I mean, this was one of the few matches I managed to watch on holiday. Um, I feel like I was a lot higher on this match than most from what I was looking at online. Perhaps the Florida sun had frazzled my brain, but uh, watching this in a bar, I really enjoyed it. It wasn't a typical Walter match, Benno. Uh, quite back and forth, and it seemed Walter had uh, you know, shed, a, shed a few pounds, but um, an enjoyable match overall, I found it to be. I didn't. Um, <laughs> I'm one of the people you're talking about. No, it was fine. It was, I mean, I understand there's people like yourself who are very high on it, and you know, as a as a standalone match, I get that. Um, and I'm not gonna not gonna argue hugely um, with people who loved it, but for me, it just I don't know. I think maybe it's a mute point with Walter, you know, coming out NXT UK champion. So does it really matter, you know, how they presented them in the match? But in the match, I do I do think they presented. I'm a little bit too much 50-50 with Pete Dunne. Um, he just, yeah, it wasn't really your, your typical Walter structure match. Uh, he just felt a little bit nullified for me. Uh, to me, he looked, he looked a bit, a little bit light. Uh, he looked a little bit swallowed up by the occasion in the the opening moments of the match as well. And I just thought, thought overall, he he sold too much uh, for Pete Dunne. Um, again, bell to bell match, very enjoyable, and I understand why why people really liked it. Um, but as far as a way to show off who Walter is. Uh, I don't know. You know, they, they put the belt on him. So again, maybe it's a moot point, but he in winning with that big, big splash up the top on a, on a, again, on a big occasion where a lot of people are seeing Walter for the first time. Um, I was just maybe scratching my head a little bit. Maybe it just might explain why I'm not as high on it as, as you. And I don't know if you uh, felt the same, Jamesy. I kind of did, Benno. Yeah. It's, um, it was a strange one. As a match, bell to bell in its own right, I think it was a very good match. Mm. I think the good things about it were that it it felt different to the other matches on the card. I think there was an awful lot of super athletic wrestling on that card, an awful lot of near fall matches, quite like the opener was very spotty. You could say Velveteen Dream Riddle was quite spotty. Um, There was an awful lot of kickouts in the the main event. And this did feel different. Like they worked really, really stiff. I mean, they really Mm -hmm. laid into each other and um, it was quite methodical. So from that point of view, I thought it was good. But like you said, I think the issue with it is stylistically, I think Pete Dunne works a style where he kind of dominates his opponents an awful lot. I mean, if you watch a Pete Dunne match, he, even whether he's face or heel, he tends to take an awful lot of the match himself and he tends to be on offense an awful lot. Mm. And Walter is exactly the same. A Walter, a typical Walter match will have him dominate three quarters of the match. You know, he'll take an awful lot of the offense. He'll, you know, he'll give his opponent hope spots and that kind of thing. So you had those two kind of guys coming together and it was like they couldn't really come to terms with who should be taking the whole match. And they ended up kind of compromising in this 50-50 match where it just, it didn't feel like if if I was sitting down for the first time ever seeing Walter, which a lot of people in that building would have been, mm. you'd, you, you'd come away from that match. I don't think you would have the right idea about Walter. You'd kind of come away thinking he was a big athletic guy. Like how many times did he try to go to the top rope? You know, yeah. like I know he, he, he's used the splash before in matches like, um, the Osprey match here in Dublin um, for OTT there last year, he would have finished the match with the splash. But the, the, the splash has always been a kind of a desperation move for Walter where he's he's used everything and nothing else has worked. And it's like it's his way of kind of showing that he's in trouble in a match. Whereas mm-hmm. in this match, I think there was three or four times he tried to go to the top rope. And like, I don't watch NXT UK every week, but as far as I know, 
the splash was never built up as Walter's finisher. It was never built up as, as a move he used to finish matches, you know. And all of a sudden, that was nearly the focal point of the match, this, this big splash. And I was thinking, if you had never seen Walter, you, you'd think he was this big guy who liked to come off the top rope. And that's yeah. not really Walter to me, you know. Um, to it's what you do in match four, isn't it? It's what, it's what you do yeah, later exactly. on in the feud, not in the introduction to Walter. Exactly, exactly. I, I, like To my mind... The first Devil and Walter match is the way this should have gone. You know, a, a pretty dominant win. You Like, in that match, there were periods where Jordan had comebacks. There were periods where, it, you know, it, it, you, I heard people saying, well, you can't have Walter squash Pete done. But, I mean, it, it, you don't have to have one or the other. Like, you can you can meet somewhere in between where you have a dominant win for Walter, but done gives a good account of himself where it doesn't look like a complete squash, you know. And I think if they had done something like the first Devlin match, where it's a very decisive win for Walter... And then you can build Pete back up to challenge him again. And, they, you know, they, they could have just used the, the, the Devlin and Walter feud as a template there. And I think it would have come across an awful lot better. Mm. Yeah, there's definitely ways of doing it, isn't there? You know, making Walter look completely dominant. I mean, like I said, as much as I enjoyed the match, uh, you've raised some really good points there. Because people who are seeing Walter for the first time, he just comes across as a, you know, even though he won, he just comes across as another guy, which I suppose is the main issue with WWE and Something that, you know, we could disappear down a rabbit hole uh, going into yeah. that. But, uh, I mean, we'll talk more about NXT UK later, but they have confirmed that a rematch of uh, Walter and Pete Dunn will take place at the uh, tapings in Glasgow this coming weekend. I mean, a lot of folks thought Dunn might be getting the call-up uh, at this week's Superstar Shake-Up on Raw and SmackDown, but he seems to be staying in the UK for the time being, Benno. Yeah, that's kind of what my expectation was with him dropping the belt. Um... Again, you know, he's, he's he's been the champion for so, so long that there's obviously money in going back to a rematch. Uh, and it's, you know, should I'm, I'd imagine it will sell some tickets to the uh, to the TV tapings. But after that, is there a huge amount for Pete Dunne left to do in NXT UK? I think the answer for me would be no. Um, so I would expect to see him on the main roster, 205 Live maybe. I don't think that would be a, a great fit. Yeah, it's, it is kind of that black hole where acts go to die. Uh, a very good weekly TV show, but a TV show that people don't see. Uh, but yeah, for me, that that would that would be the move, and I think he would have, in front of that hardcore Canadian audience on Raw and SmackDown in Montreal, I think he would have gotten a, a huge pop um, if it had came out. But yeah, maybe you know the the coming to the coming to the UK. Uh, there's a tour coming up. Maybe you could do something there instead. I mean, uh, with the rematch coming up uh, this weekend. James, do you think uh, it'll just be more of the same or we'll get a different style of match out of the two of them? <laughs> it's, the problem here, like you touched on it yourself there, Martin, in your own comments, is this is WWE and it's it's everything has to be 50-50. You know, it's, it's, they don't very often do things in a decisive way where somebody will have a a win where it puts them clearly above another guy, you know, that they want to keep everyone almost on the same level. Um, and like, it's, it's, it's I, I would expect more of the same. Like, why would it suddenly go from the way it was a takeover to a match where Walter's suddenly dominant? You know, it, it, it wouldn't make any sense, you know? So I guess we'll get more of the same. Like, and I mean, I, you know, I, I sound very negative. It was still an excellent match in its own right, you know, and there was an awful lot of good stuff in it. And I'm sure the next one will be as well, you know, but I think if you had made it more in Walter's favour the first time, this next match would be more intriguing now because you can tell the story then of Pete going away, 
collecting himself, you know, coming at the match then with a new strategy and it makes the second match more interesting. Whereas now I'm kind of just shrugging my shoulders thinking it's probably just going to be a very even match again, you know, and that's not as intriguing to me as telling a story where one guy is decisively better than the other and the other guy having to go away and and change tack a little bit and maybe do things more differently in the next match. Well, you raised a good point there, Benno, where earlier on is that what does Pete Dunne do now if he's sticking around in NXT UK you can't suddenly drop him down a couple of levels because he has <laughs> been such a dominant champion there is literally unless they do a series of Walter Reed matches over the summer there is literally nothing for else for him to do is there unless he yeah. goes and unless they do British strong style six <laughs> months <laughs> I suppose you could do that yeah I mean we've all seen it a million times maybe the uh, the NXT UK audience who haven't would enjoy that. Uh, but that's, yeah, it's another argument. Again, like James, you said, you know, maybe me and James are in the minority and really you're in the the, the majority, Martin, and, you know, really enjoying this match. Because uh, I think, yeah, for me, the, the the key to why maybe we're doing a little bit of complaining is there probably would be mileage in, in, in Pete Dunne sticking around and doing two or three more matches with Walter. Uh, but as James, he's uh, quite well summed up there. When you do a match like that as your first match, I, I don't know, really know where you go next. So, yeah, the, for me, I've got a huge amount of uh, ideas uh, on Pete Dunne. Or really, you know, I, again, I'm sure it'll be a great match. I don't mean to uh, rain on everyone's parade. Uh, I'm sure the rematch will be great as well. But after that, yeah, I don't think there's a there's a massive amount of uh, things you could do uh, from a creative point of view with uh, Pete Dunne and NXT UK. And someone uh, notable from their absence uh, this WrestleMania weekend, well, in front of the camera certainly, is uh, Progress. I mean, they said they weren't um, holding shows due to hotel costs or whatever, but I imagine they were very quite busy with their non-Progress commitments behind the scenes. <laughs> um, but before everyone headed over there, they had uh, held a show on the... 31st of March at their normal home, the Camden Electric Ballroom in London. This was Chapter 87, Bread Knife. Uh, I mean, this dropped on VOD in the middle of Mania Week, so it might have flown under the radar for some people. And uh, this was uh, headlined by two big tag matches. I mean, we'll go into the main event first, which saw Progress Tag Champs Swords of Essex face off against Aussie Open, and Swords had previously used the belts as weapons to beat the Aussies, so this time around it was a TLC match and I mean me personally I've been fairly blase about TLC and ladder matches for the past couple of years I mean the bar was set so high many moons ago by the likes of the Hardy Boys and Aiden Christian that I was hoping that these sorts of gimmick matches uh, might be put out to pasture for a while but I mean watching this match I couldn't have been any more wrong I, I mean I absolutely loved this there was some spectacular stuff in this one Osprey in a sunset flip to the floor through a ladder Paul Robinson taking another sunset flip from a ladder on some chairs. Pile drivers through ladders, fidget spinners through tables. And this was the loudest crowd I've seen on VOD in the electric ballroom for absolutely ages. I mean, the Aussies picked up the win to a, a thunderous reception here, Benno. Yeah, um, it was definitely crowd-pleasing, at least for the, the crowd that could see it. And uh, I heard some live complaints from people, you know, with the, the 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 structure of the match was a little bit weird. They kept kind of going into the crowd and then coming back to the ring and then they go back to the stage. Uh, and it, I, I did hear mixed reports from some people who absolutely loved it and some people who were a little bit frustrated that they couldn't see everything. But yeah, I thought it was great. Uh, maybe not on quite on the, the, the level with 
with you. I thought it was... Uh, there, were, there were a couple of moments in the match where it, I just thought it got a little bit slow. Uh, it was just too long, really. I think it was... It was I was I was really enjoying the start of it, and I love the end of it when it got... The, you know, the silly violence came out with the Davis pile driver uh, through the ladder and that uh, fidget spinner uh, off the ladder through the table, and all the big spots came. I was bang into all that stuff, but there was about 10 minutes in the middle of the match where it just felt like they were... Uh, really, Osprey and Robinson were getting for the crowd and setting a table up for for what felt like an, an endless amount of time. Uh, so that's maybe why I'm just a touch uh, lower on it than you, but I still really enjoyed it. And I, I would say, yeah, I do agree with you that as far as uh, crowd reactions go for progress matches, it's again, it's a match like this. The kind of uh, it takes to to bring the ballroom onto its uh, onto its feet and and remind you of you know those those special atmospheres that we uh, we got only a couple of years ago. I mean, uh, Benno a bit downer on the match than I was here, James. Um, I thought, I mean, I know bits where it did slow down, but for me, I, I think the, it started off at a breakneck speed, and I think, uh, like you say, it did slow down through the rest of the match, but I thought the stunts were spe- spectacular enough for me that uh, the lags in it, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't really mind that much. What did you think to it, Jamesy? Yeah, I, I'd be more with you on it, Martin, I think. I... Like yourself, I'm kind of over ladder matches in general. <laughs> I think at some point, ladder matches stopped meaning what they originally were meant to mean. Like I, to, to me, ladder matches were, were originally brought in when there was a serious dispute between two people over the ownership of a title belt. You know, if you think back to the very first one, we all saw um, Razor Ramon and HBK and that kind of thing. And at some point, they became matches just for the stunts and just for people to do high spots and that kind of thing. And I think the key difference in this match was I really, really felt like it was two teams that hated each other here. You know, um, yeah, I think nearly the pinnacle of this style of match is is back the, the Steen and Generico against the Briscoes match in ROH, the latter war. Back in, God, you'll have to help me out here, Ben. It was a 2006 or seven, maybe. That sounds right. 2007, I think. Seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of towards the end of, of, of the big run that ROH had, the really good run they had back in the day. And that to me has been the pinnacle of that kind of match. You know, two teams that really hated each other that just wanted to kill each other. And, you know, collecting the belts was the prize at the end, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't about climbing ladders and reaching for belts. It was about two teams that really just wanted to kill each other. And I really felt that here. And I think the key guy to that happening in the match was Paul Robinson, you know, mm. um, I think he is just magnificent and he's just so different to anyone else in, in in the European scene at the moment. He's one of the few wrestlers in the European scene who is utterly dedicated to being a hateable heel. You know, he has no interest in pandering to fans. He has no interest in being polite to people at merch tables or anything like that. And his presence in this match just pushed it over the edge where it just like, like the minute he came out from the curtain, he was getting in. You could see how pumped up he was. He was getting in fans' faces. And the thing that kept me interested, actually, in the downtime of, of that match often was him. Just mm. even in the downtime, he was in amongst the fans. He was getting in people's faces. He just was in his character totally from start to finish in this match. I just thought it was it was one of the best performances I've ever seen from him. Yeah. And... You know, like the, the high spots were all amazing, you know, especially that pile driver through the, the bridge ladders that uh, Davis did on and Robinson. I thought that was unreal. Mm-hmm. And also the, the spot early in the match where he's uh, where Robinson again is standing on Osprey's shoulders 
trying to reach and catch the belts and from nowhere the, the the camera's on them and just from I presume from outside the ring on the floor I think it's Davis just throws a ladder at him and um, knocks him <laughs> off Osprey's shoulder hey, my just, god it was perfect you know like there's so many things could go wrong with a spot like that but I thought that spot kind of going well just set the tone for the whole thing there was just a wildness to it there was an edge to it um, and like it's not often in progress like progress don't have many storylines going on where people you know like it, it used to be their their calling card was good feuds mm-hmm. havoc and osprey people who hated each other rivalries stories and it felt like this was 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 getting back to that again you know and mm-hmm. if you think about a feud like the whole object of this feud was clearly to put Aussie open on another level you know like they they won the the thunder bastard at Wembley and I thought from there they were going to go on a long run and I was kind of scratching my head when they lost the titles almost immediately then to Swords of Essex. But now it all makes sense, you know, that they kind of did the quick switch between the two teams. But now Aussie Open are on a totally new level, you know, from where they were at Wembley even. You know, they've overcome this massive hurdle. Um, and yeah, I just thought a really, really great match. One of my favourite matches this year, I have to say. Or definitely my favourite plunder type match, I think. Um, oh, I had one little spot that I really liked was um, the spot where... Davis more or less protects Kyle. He kind of, um, at one point, uh, Robinson is going to do the curb stomp through a chair on him and he literally lies on top of him and protects his friend. And like, again, that can be cringy, you know, that could come across cringy, but I just think it hit the right note in this match, you know, Uh, and him taking all those bell shots to save Kyle as well. Just, just really good, you know, just really good storytelling, really gripping match, I thought. Yeah, because there was that moment also where... uh... Was it Davis threw um, Robinson into the air and sort of Kyle Fletcher tried pushing the table in the way and then kind of looked shocked when uh, Robinson went bouncing off of it out of the <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that was... Uh, it's like you say, definitely, uh, yeah, one of my favourite matches of the year, certainly my favourite sort of like match, uh, gimmick match of the year so yeah. far. Yeah, um, But, I mean, this is kind of apropos of uh, us coming into our next match but uh, some breaking news that's just come in as of recording this podcast and it seems uh, Kid Lycos has uh, just tweeted out that he's going to check out in 2019 for Reels EC by with a picture of him uh, laid up in hospital. I mean uh, but obviously he's, he's suffered a lot of injuries during his uh, short career Benno but uh, still quite shocking to see he's actually going to be retiring. Yeah, I just saw that come through on Twitter while recording. Somebody just sent me a message. Um, yeah, uh, he's done a subsequent tweet with uh, with all photos of, uh, of memories of the last three years. Says it's the best job in the world and sucks to go. Uh, really sad, yeah. Um, I wonder what's kind of the reason for this. What's caused it? Whether, I mean, whether he looked like he was ready to come back on the show that we're about to talk about. He's he's out there as a manager for CCK and they're building up to a to a six man match with him. So that's kind of came a. I mean, not completely out of nowhere, because obviously we know of the injury issues he's had, but he's constantly gone on record and other wrestlers have backed him up of it, you know, just being bad luck and, you know, there's not an underlying issue there and he's, you know, he's going to be fit to come back. And yeah, obviously, well, I'm guessing that's not true in that case and maybe something, you know, hopefully we'll get more details on it, but obviously it seems one of those lingering injuries and one of those injuries that he's, he's gone out with a few times is uh, obviously uh, been cause for him to maybe reassess. I mean, it's I think he... a huge same, isn't it, Jamesy, when uh, someone has to retire, especially someone uh, so early on in the career? 
Oh, absolutely. I, and just to add to what you were saying, I, I think he got injured again at the weekend. Was it attack wrestling? Yeah, yeah. I, I think he was in a match in attack. I think it was Aussie Open, CCK, and maybe the um, the White Wolf guys, a triple threat tag match, something like that. Something. And I heard uh, somebody DM me and said, Lycos left halfway through the match injured again. Oh, so I was wow. thinking, oh, like, and that's about the, is it the third time this year alone? And yeah. I think it was shoulder again, and it's always the shoulder injuries. Like I was at a show in the stadium at the end of last year, and he was in a match against the Kings of the North, and that was one of the times he aggravated the shoulder. Um, but that's, that's just an awful pity because um, from what I hear about him, he's he's a guy who really, really genuinely loves wrestling, um, a real student of the game. Um, I think him and Brooks are massive Dragon Gate fans. I think that was one of the things that they always had at the back of their head. They'd love to go and get a tour in Dragon Gate at some stage. So yeah, just 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 terribly sad, really. You know that um, that like, and he's come back so many times, you know, and has seemed so determined. Some maybe just just one injury too far, and he's just he's just you know, and maybe he needs to step away for a while, and maybe he rushed back. You know, I mean. CCK is 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 a much sought after team, and it, maybe there was you know he felt under pressure that he should come back quickly so they could keep the momentum going and that kind of thing. Maybe if he steps away and takes a full twelve months off, maybe twelve months down the line, he's still a young guy. He can come back, you know. Yeah, like you say, they are an incredibly popular tag team, and um, you know, obviously got a lot of fans. So yeah, if he is, uh, yeah, it would it would be interesting to see if he does take some time off and then he he feels ready to come back. So obviously, yeah. Uh, you know, really, really sad news there. Um, but I mean, sort of moving back onto uh, back on track where we were originally. Um, the second big match for uh, this progress show, Bread Knife, was uh, CCK against LAX. And I mean, this is the match between CCK and LAX. They had a cracker on the progress tour of the states last year, and uh, the second match in Manchester in December didn't quite hit the the highs of the first for me and uh, this third one I thought was a bit of a mess I mean it had some great bits towards the end I mean the double team moves from Gresham and Brooks always look spectacular don't they but for my taste there was too much fucking around with referee Joel and very shenanigans <laughs> here Benno yeah, you summed it up there I don't think we need to do any analysis <laughs> I wasn't expecting that yeah too much fucking around that summed it up um just yeah, they wasted about fifteen minutes on it, and it's the like you say, same story as as from York Hall when we were all excited for CCK Aussie Open. I don't know what the what they're thinking really, and they, it just felt as well like they went to the well too many times. Uh, this time, you know, not even this time last year, six months ago, I was really high on the CCK team. Um, uh, this version of uh, CCK Brooks and and Gresham, um, and then that's two big high profile matches in a row where I feel like they've yeah just shit the bed um and it, it's obviously a purposeful decision they're, they're obviously going out there and thinking yeah we'll do some comedy and it's not new to the series you know in the in the first two matches i love that manchester match i was there live so there's probably a degree of live bias to that but i really did enjoy that live and and that did have you know good five minutes of comedy at the start maybe a, a little bit more uh, but this just felt too much and it just felt like a just like a needless sequel all in all it felt too soon to go back to the well and do a, a third one it felt like the comedy rather than getting the crowd into it kind of killed them a little bit because they weren't really into the the proper action when it came and yeah in the middle of a progress show that 
already had, you know, that TLC match at the end, which, you know, made the show sound stacked going in and, you know, did make me hype for the show. In hindsight, maybe it was the wrong place for this match and maybe they should have waited a little bit longer. Obviously, as we just mentioned, it seemed like the the building towards some kind of six-man with, you know, they were assuming Lycos was going to be back and ready. So those plans are off too. So I don't know where you go next. But yeah, it all just felt too soon, a bit needless. And yeah, as you said, Martin, too much fucking around. <laughs> I mean, uh, James, who do you think they would have fetched in with him? Uh, just to speculate here a bit, would it have been Homicide Loki or uh, Eddie Kingston? Was my bet with who might have fetched? In yeah, the, those those three are, are the obvious three, aren't they? Um, Loki would be cool. I mean, anytime you get to see Loki wrestle live or, or get to see Loki in a new location is a good thing. But yeah, I can't see being any, anyone other than those three, really, you know. Um, and like, yeah, I'm in total agreement with, with what you guys said about the match. It just, um, it's it's hard. It, it's like progress. We're trying to force this thing to be this legendary trilogy almost when I don't think the rivalry quite warranted this legendary status. Um, I think... I don't understand what Gresham is doing when he comes to Europe at the moment and wrestles in CCK. He has this thing with the staple gun. Um, It's like he feels like he needs to be like us. Mm. Um, It's like he he, he feels like instead of him coming to Europe in his own right and being John Gresham, he has to be like us as substitute in CCK. And he's doing all the like us stuff. He's doing all the comedy. And it's just such a waste because, I mean... I don't know about you, lads, but t- to me, Gresham is is top ten in the world in terms of a guy who's talented, who can do absolutely anything in the ring. You know, this it just feels like such a waste of his talent. And even when he's fucking around, as you said, Martin, like there are still glimpses of his genius in this match. You know, he does a few little lucha segments w- w- with one of the LAX guys. He'll, you know, he'll explode out of nowhere into a suicide dive outside the ring. Um, I didn't even mind the finish too much. I know a lot of people hated the finish, but that, that finish where he does the, like that they've been working over, I, ca- I can't remember if it's Santana or Ortiz, but one of their legs anyway, and they'd kind of done a little bit of work on the guy's leg and they'd weakened it up a little bit. And he put the figure four on and they rolled to the outside. And then at the last minute, Gresham run, ran back into the ring. And like that's that's a finish I've seen Gresham use quite a lot uh, in singles matches. I think it works in a technical match where you very much told the story that he's been wearing down somebody's leg, but it was like, it was like they, they did a comedy match. They did high spots and then they tacked on this finish at the end that didn't really fit in with the match at all. And it was kind of, it's a good finish in its own right. And it's a really innovative finish if you have the match that's appropriate to it, but it wasn't the right finish for this match. I don't think. No, the rest of the show was quite up and down. There was some really weird promo spot with Trent Seven to build up his match with Walter at Super Strong Style 16. Uh, Fraser Thomas, uh, a wrestler from Wolverhampton, came out to interview Trent and they sort of talked about how Walter's a part-timer and didn't really work for me. I mean, Trent's usually fantastic at this sort of thing, Benno. Yeah, I think they were relying on them being able to, you know, go out back and forth, try and do a little banter and it'll get over. But yeah, it was just a bit weird that segment, wasn't it? Um I like I think I like the idea of it, you know, to build up the big Walter match if it felt like uh, Trent was there, but this being a week before WrestleMania weekends and access shows, he, he I presume he couldn't wrestle on the show, so they did this instead. So yeah, good idea, but yeah, in uh, in actual practice, uh, I don't think it, it particularly worked out and didn't do a, a huge job of making me more interested in that match. Although I do still think it's a it's a big match. 
Any other notable moments from this show for you, Jamesy? I mean, do not resuscitate uh, just feels completely redundant at this point now. Oh, yeah. Um, I had a big problem with, with the entire opening to the show. It was just, I, um, it was like, it was, it was like watching a Monday night raw from back in the era where triple H would come out <laughs> and he'd spend 30 minutes and I'd just make a long, boring promo about, you know, about whatever his opponent was, bury someone, and it was just, I thought it would never end, you know, and I just, I don't take these guys seriously one bit. I, I don't know why they're being given that slot at the beginning of the show when they're not even anything to do with the super strong style tournament. You know, like I didn't even realize till close to the end of the show when they mentioned it on commentary, this was the go home show to super strong style 16. And it felt like, have they really built up this tournament? You know, th- th- there was no... You know, you would think your last show would be geared towards the tournament, that everybody involved w- would be hell-bent on going into that tournament and winning it. Like, it, they spent more time building up this nothing eight-man tag that's going to be on the Saturday night than they did building up the tournament itself, which is the reason people are going to see the show, you know. Mm. Um, and, like, I just, I don't take them seriously, you know. Like, it, it was, I checked on, on the VOD, and it was the 29-minute mark on the VOD when the bell rang for the first match. So they spent 29 minutes of an indie show <laughs> building up a match that nobody is even in the building to see it. Like nobody is going to, to that, to Ali Pali to watch that match. They're there to see the tournament, you know, and yet we spent all this time on these guys and the Eddie Dennis promo was the strangest thing. Like, I, I don't know, is Eddie Dennis a heel or a face <laughs> anymore? He, he started talking about, we're friends outside. Like, why is he out there with a microphone talking about how him and Chuck Mambo are friends outside the progress bubble, but in the progress bubble, we're not. And it was like, <laughs> what is that about? This is just, you know, breaking down the, the, the fourth wall for no reason. Like, you know what I mean? It was just the strangest segment. And I just was so happy when it was over, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, the, the, there was, it was a very weird show. And like you say, there was a lot of, weirdness in it and a lot of weird promos and stuff but as you know there i mean the next big show is the uh, annual super strong style 16 tournament uh the winner of that gets a progress title shot and i mean this is going to be held over three days on the 4th 5th and 6th of may at alexander palace in london and uh also over that weekend they're going to be hosting a show by uh kaiju big battle and uh the lineup um it's an odd one, but it's certainly a stacked one. You've got Aerostar, Artemis Spencer, Chris Brooks, Chris Ridgway, Dagger, Darby Allen, David Starr, DJZ, Zed Rather, Ilya Dragunov, John <laughs> Devlin, Kyle Fletcher, Kyle O'Reilly, Lucky Kid, Paul Robinson, Travis Banks, and uh, Trevor Lee. I mean, I've just gone through the lineup there, Benno, and whatever your thoughts on progress from a storyline direction, these Super Strong Style weekends usually deliver some great matches in the ring, don't they? Yeah, that's it. Um, it's a big tournament, so I'm sure it'll deliver. Um, yeah, like uh, me and Will were saying on the last show, it's interesting they've gone so out there with lots of imports and lots of non-progress regulars in the tournament, and that kind of tells you not just the state of progress right now, but the state of Britres right now, where there does seem to be a lot of reliance uh, on imports. But that is it. That's a really interesting list of names, if I'm honest, and it does make me more interested than if they had put, you know, Connor Mills, who was in a losing effort on that chapter show or, you know, any, any of the other 
you know, even if they put any of the do not resuscitate guys in there at this point, <laughs> I don't think I'd be interested based on yeah, pretty much uh, everything James he said there about the that act right now. Um, so yeah, I think I'm more interested in it for that reason. I think it's an interesting lineup. Um, they've obviously been building up. Uh, well, up until this show, they've been building up Devlin and feels like Devlin and Banks are kind of front runners for the tournament. But to James's point, there was none of that on on this last chapter, probably because uh, they had plans for them for access the week after. So that's a that's a real shame. But they did build up David Starr to a point. They showcased Lucky Kid, um, who I think is probably going to have a good tournament. So, yeah, all in all, it, it's a tournament show. So, you know, we're still going to tune in. I'm still probably going to enjoy it. Uh, even if yeah, it's a bit of a, a weird one and there hasn't been a, a huge amount of uh, bill going into it. Yeah, it certainly seems like uh, progress are uh, victims of their own success, aren't they? And uh, certainly you would have uh, developed business relationships with because, uh, I mean, obviously, James, you were at the bullseye there. This is this was the go-home show for Super Strong Style 16. They hardly built up anything for the major tournament. Um I mean, James, do any winners sort of like stand out for you there? Uh, ben, I was just noting about Devlin and Banks being the frontrunners for it. Yeah, like it's 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 a very interesting field and it's a very eclectic field. And I have no doubt that there will be lots and lots of good matches on there. And like even putting a guy like Artemis Spencer in there, who not a lot of people know. Um, I saw a couple of his matches last year and he will impress people a lot. He's a really, really good wrestler. So I'm always in favor of new names been given a chance and been given this a platform but the flip side of it is like who has the momentum going into this tournament you know who you know in a lot of like the obvious comparison is carrot you know and like when we were talking about carrot in the days and weeks before it we could have come up with five or six maybe more plausible winners that you would say they would be a good winner. You know, they've been mm. built up in the company. They've they've been like, you know, they did the video packages for some guys going into the tournament where, you know, they felt important. They put focus on them. They did the thing for Thatcher. They did um, interviews. You know, like it, it doesn't, just because the guys aren't in the building on the go-home show doesn't mean you can't do something for them. You know, you can film an interview. You can, you know, you can put things on the screen. There's lots of ways of doing it, you know. Um in terms of a winner, like Devlin, Banks, the two obvious ones. Um, I think Star, Star is a guy you can tell a story. We know how good he is. You know, we know how much of a good talker he is. We know how much of a good character wrestler he is. He's a guy that's been criminally underused in progress. Like one, again, top 10 guy in the world that they've really done nothing with so far. And they've had him for a long, long time. And if ever there was a time mm-hmm. to push that guy to the forefront of your company, and if ever there was a guy who's good enough to go into a tournament and tell a story over three days and come out of it looking like a superstar, um, it's David Starr. So, I mean, if it was me, I would have Starr win it. Um, there's there's a little story there with Walter you can probably tell again, you know, borrowing from WXW, but he would be one of the top names to me. But like, it's it's a small pool of the 16 that you could say is a realistic winner because there's only a small amount of them are actually progress guys. Yeah, it does seem like a real sort of like hodgepodge of names. It's sort of like, it seems like they've just grabbed who they can, you know what I mean? So it, it will be, like you say, it'll be good in ring, but it will be interesting coming out of there who does win it and uh, what they end up doing this summer because we always end up going into that horrible period after Sue Strong style where uh, not a great deal seems to happen while they're building up to their big shows later in the year. So uh Interested to see what progress do this summer. Obviously, they've announced that they'll be returning to Canada in conjunction with Smash Wrestling in Toronto for 
two events on the 7th and 8th of August. And uh, obviously it makes sense them running these shows at SummerSlam being in Toronto on the 11th. I mean, you'd assume there's going to be some kind of a NXT UK business to attend to that weekend. And uh, moving on to the other uh, sort of like major southern-based company, and uh, Red Pro, they, uh, before they headed over to the States for Mania Weekend, they held their... Uh, Live at the Cockpit 40 show, the same day as uh, the Progress show we were just discussing on March 31st at the Cockpit Theatre in London. And uh, two notable matches from this one, really. First, we had Pac facing off against El Fantasmo. And uh, Fantasmo has become quite the crowd favourite in Red Pro. Uh, this match was nothing too much right home about, but uh, an enjoyable encounter. This crowd was fairly split coming into this one. Uh, but as Pac bossed the LP for the majority of the match and even made a young boy in the crowd cry. I mean, that's a proper <laughs> heel there. And he picked up the win with the Rings of Saturn and David Starr came out at the end to lambast Phantasmo and build up their ladder match for the Cruiserweight belt at your call and made a 10th. Um, I mean, Benno, a solid, if somewhat unspectacular showing from these two. Yeah, it, it was just, it was very much a, a cockpit match, really. Uh, these cockpit shows lately haven't hugely uh, floated my boat, and this, it was fine as a match. Uh, maybe it's Pac that doesn't float my boat and being uh, prominently featured at the moment in Rev Pro, I thought. I mean, you've got to keep Pac strong because at some point you're going to go back to that Osprey match, aren't you? Uh, but I didn't think it was, maybe it doesn't hurt him a huge amount, but they're obviously building this big El Fantasmo David Starr match and El Fantasmo as he was always going to be with uh, Pac still having the Dragon Gate belt. So losers via low blow and then submission, uh, which I don't think is great for your baby face. Then to have David Starr come out and attack him afterwards. I know that makes David Starr look like uh, even more of a shit. Uh, David Starr, who did feign a little bit of a fear for Pac, which I didn't like either. Uh, but yeah, I didn't love that back. Maybe that placement of El Fantasmo, but I get it. Rev Pro or between a rock and a hard place there, I think Pac's got to go over, so maybe that's a creative way of doing it, even if maybe personally I would have just done the, as much as we might have grown the David Starr uh, interference. Uh, but yeah, all in all, I thought it was a, a solid match. Uh, I'm not sure on the new all-black uh, El Fantasmo getting ready for Bullet Club. Um, <laughs> he's, you know, it'd be interesting to see how he, how he does in New Japan uh, with that act. But yeah, all in all... Uh, at least I could say he dominated most of the match until that finish. Um, and yeah, all in all, it was a, a solid, if like you say, not spectacular match, most notable for, yeah, Pac's, uh, Pac's banter with the child in the front row, uh, and then the angle that came after. Fantasmo, someone you're a fan of, Jamesy. He's a guy that I've gained a lot of respect for, I think. Um, I think when he came over to these shores initially, what is it, maybe 18 months ago now, a year, 18 months ago, um, I'll be honest, and I didn't think an awful lot of him. I thought he was a very generic, mm. uncharismatic high flyer, um, the type of which there are dozens of around the UK scene, you know. But in fairness to him, he is one of the most improved guys. Like he has just knuckled down, he's wrestled everywhere he possibly could. His charisma has improved. He's a very smooth wrestler now, I think. I think he, his wrestling itself has improved an awful lot. And he's a great example of a guy who's kind of, you know, he, he's he's put himself out there. He, he's he's gone from a scene in the the northwest of Canada that that's kind of quiet and very insular, and it guys find it very hard to break out of. He's took a chance on himself. He's come to the UK, and he's on the verge now of of becoming the the Rev Pro Cruiserweight Champion. I think he probably will win that ladder match. Um, 
And that's that's a great achievement, you know. Um, and yeah, the match was fun, I think, is, is the best way you can describe it. It was a good small room wrestling match. Um, I, I got a kick out of Pac. He looked like he was having the time of his life. Um, the banter with the kid, making him cry, that kind of thing. Uh, I think there were some nice off-the-cuff moments by by Fantasmo as well, where he fed into it, where he went for a roll-up on Pac and that kind of thing in the middle of all the banter. So yeah, nice, fun, small room wrestling match. Yeah, and he's certainly someone that uh, Red Pro can uh, sort of like really push and get behind. So obviously, he's got the New Japan uh, connection and uh, that works well for Red Pro. So yeah, certainly someone interesting that he wasn't on the uh, poster for the Best of the Super Juniors. I know not the full lineup wasn't on there, but uh, interesting. Obviously, a lot of rumours going around that he was going to be in that uh, tournament this year. So interesting to see if uh, if that comes to pass. And uh Moving on to the main event, uh, it was Red Pro champion Zack Sabre Jr. taking on James Mason. And Mason, someone who started wrestling in the sort of very, very last days of the old world of sport era. He started out with all-star wrestling in the early 90s and been in the ring with the likes of Kendo Nagasaki and Giant Haystacks. Uh, mainly appears on camp shows, but also appeared for uh, Michinoku Pro in Japan. So definitely one of the most experienced British wrestlers out there today. And I mean... <laughs> This couldn't have been any different from the TLC match you talked about earlier. Sort of a <laughs> really old school British wrestling match with Sabre and Mason exchanging a lot of holds and utilizing a variety of submissions on each other. Um, I mean, Mason seems tailor made for Sabre Jr. I was really surprised to hear Andy Boy say they'd never faced each other before. Uh, but saying that, I really enjoyed this. I mean, some might find this style quite boring in 2019, but I felt it was a really nice palate cleanser from uh, all the other stuff we'd watched. And of course, uh, Zack Sabre Jr. picked up the win leading into his match with Tanahashi at Madison Square Garden. And uh, Jamesy, is this a style of wrestling that you're a fan of? Oh, big time. Yeah, I, like, I absolutely love this match. And I mean, again, I, I'm probably in the minority in being a, a fan of that technical trickery style but like this kind of match is right up my alley I, I really really enjoyed it I, I you you could tell like we talked about Dunn and Walter earlier about being two guys who tend to dominate matches swarm all over their opponents and very much take the majority of a match and Zack Sabre Jr. is very similar to that you know a lot of his matches will be him tying his opponent up into all kinds of knots, working over multiple limbs, that kind of thing. And his his opponent is, is very much restricted to comebacks and that kind of thing. And I think it's a measure of the respect that Zach would have for a guy like Mason, that, that he actually gave Mason a huge amount of this match. You know, like he... He, it was worked as in Mason was the veteran and Zach was the younger guy. And like, the story they told was that Mason kept frustrating Zach, you know, like where Zach would usually have his way with his opponents and be able to tie them up in knots. Here, Mason was doing that to him, you know. So it was nice to see Zach flip flip his match over and be the guy working from underneath almost, you know. Um, and yeah, I just thought it was a joy, a kind of a match we don't see very often. And it's just something different, you know, and I think it's it's very nice thing that, that, that Rev Pro are giving Mason these these opportunities on the cockpit shows. You know, a guy who kind of was very unlucky and that he came along too early. If he'd come along, like even a little bit later at the same time as Doug Williams, he might have got the opportunities that Doug got and got to go to Japan and that kind of thing more often, you know. Um, so, yeah, it was I, I thought it was a lovely match. I really enjoyed it and just nice to see something different. Mm. It's got its place, hasn't it? I think it's a smart thing to do to do something different on your show and give a James Mason a, a match like this, throw him out there and do something. I wouldn't watch a full show of it, uh, if I'm honest. Uh, it's not really for me. Uh, but as far as, you know, doing 
putting something different out there and, and standing out from the crowd, I think it's a it's an important thing to do as a promotion. So I'd you know, I certainly wouldn't complain about a match like this on on every show going forward for Rev Pro, especially the cockpit shows. Um, but yeah, James Mason can kind of do this style in his sleep, can't he? And like, like you said there, James, he's perfect uh, opponent for Zack Sabre Jr. I mean, I, one of my big notes was just listeners of the commentary where they said that, that James Mason was only 40. And then I Googled him and it turns out he's actually 39. Yeah, and that blew a, my mind. They year onto him, didn't they? <laughs> blew my mind. He's 39. He's in his 30s because we treat him like a like a, like a like an old school veteran who's, you know, we're lucky that he's still coming back and wrestling. I mean, you can get signed to NXT at 39. You know, he's still hoping. <laughs> could can I just say 39 is not old. Let's just get that clear. I'm not far off 39 myself. So there's nothing old about 39. <laughs> <laughs> Only a couple of years away myself. But yeah, I just, you look exactly. at you look James Mason and you think yeah oh, he must be 50 he must you know he's been around like you said oh, and I yeah. can remember him from the early to mid FWA days and he yeah he does feel like a a product of a of a bygone era but, but yeah certainly you know in his style he can still go and yeah he can certainly add something to uh to cards and yeah they're still still young enough to uh to have another run in him well, he's younger than AJ Styles and Chris Jericho, so there you go. He's got, he's got a run on. Go. He's got a run on Raw coming up, yeah. <laughs> Camp. And uh, I mean, we discussed it earlier, but uh, Red Pro's next big show is on uh, May the tenth at York Hall, featuring David Starr against El Fantasma in a ladder match, and we've got uh, the tag champs Minoru Suzuki and Zack Saber Jr. against Aussie Open, and. Uh, I mean, we discussed uh, the last year call show at length on this and how much of a, quite, quite a bit of a letdown, Benno. But, I mean, the return of Suzuki gun and uh, the build for Star and uh, Phantasma has been pretty good, I think. Yeah, that's it. I think it, it's time for Suzuki gun to lose the belts. That should have happened already. The Red Pro Tag belt should, should have been prominent on shows these last few months and they haven't been, and it's because they're on Suzuki gun. So hopefully, yeah, we're, that's what we're heading towards, them losing the belts. It feels it's got to be nailed on at this point. Uh, and yeah, I, again, I had some you know some issue with the, the way El Fantasma was presented in the match with Pac, but only minor issue, really. They have done a good job with this. David Starr is one of the best promos in the world, whether it's, like I said earlier, in America, cutting that killer promo uh, on Walter, or I saw him in a car park cutting a promo for his match in Future Shot Wrestling this weekend against the uh, John McGregor, a Conor McGregor ripoff, and then here in a... In Rev Pro, cutting a great promo for El Fantasma as well. So yeah, you can David Stark can always talk me into into any match really. And this has been, you know, I think this obviously I think this match was planned to happen on the last York Hall show, but in a way, it's kind of a, a nice little holdover to have uh, that the Rev Pro have got in the back pocket and a, a good match that you know won't be headlining, but will probably I'd imagine be the semi main event there. So yeah, to definitely look forward to that. So, um, moving on to NXT UK now, and uh, last week's episode uh, was the final taping from Coventry and featured not one, but two good matches. I mean, it also included a Joseph Connors v. Jack Stars match in the middle, but uh, the opener between Travis Banks and Cassius Ono and uh, the main event between Ginny and Tony Storm uh, were pretty good. Um, I mean, I especially enjoyed uh, Banks and Ono, who seems to have uh, styles tailor-made for each other. A solid episode here, I thought, Jamesy. Absolutely, yeah. Like, as I said, I would have said the last time I was on with you guys that I'm not a regular watcher, but I, 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 if I hear a match is good, I, I, I'll watch, no problem, you know. And I had heard that um, Banks and Ono was a good match, and I'd heard that the, the main event was good as well. Um, and yeah, like, like Banks and Ono, just a really, really good television match, I thought. Um, ono 
just a little reminder from him that he's actually a really good wrestler. You know, it's <laughs> it's, it's it's almost sad how, how rarely we get the chance to see that anymore. Um, like he's still phenomenal, you know. Um, and I thought in the little time they had, maybe ten minutes, whatever it was, they told a nice story. Banks selling the injury that he had and really sold it well. Like it didn't, you know, it wasn't the thing where he he was injured for a few minutes and forgot about it. He sold that arm and he held it, had it hanging down by his side for the entirety of the match. I thought he did a brilliant job. Um, yeah, just a really, really good television match. I'm glad I watched it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I loved it as a match. I mean, uh, you know, Martin, we're, we're long sufferers of the NXT UK TV show. <laughs> so sometimes I don't get very excited coming into to watching these shows, but I'd heard great things about the match. And yeah, like James, you said, I really felt it. It lived up to it. Uh, just maybe to, to what you were saying there, Jamesy, that, you know, Ono reminding us what he's got. It also reminds us that, yeah, you know, any other setting, I'd have been really excited about Ono Banks just on site. But there's something about it happening on this TV product that may, maybe lowers your expectations. But they went out there and they blew it away. Just, yeah, it was it was like it was like one of those classic Ono matches where the stages for the match, you kind of at the early stage where he's the dominant heavyweight against Banks and then Banks injuring his shoulder and then Ono goes to work on that. And then we got the, the big moves at the end with Ono hitting, of all things, a joker drop driver uh <laughs> somebody's watching their indie tapes uh yeah. saying that he was there he lived it didn't he so yeah no better man yeah that's, that's a that's a deep pull uh from from cassio soto there uh but yeah you know if people aren't watching you know like james said the nxt uk product every week uh this is actually a good week to to jump in and, and maybe it's not an, a perfect example of what we've been getting these last few months but it's uh as far as matches to to actually go out and see uh this Ono and banks matches is, is worth it on its own um as far as checking out this week's show and i mean uh we had a uh, quite a few promos in this show which were blatantly filmed in new york over mania weekend uh i mean we had radzi asking jordan devlin about the rematch between walter and pete dunn uh, devlin obviously saying he didn't care about that and it, it was his turn for the chance of the title and um Obviously, NXT UK airs as we record on a on a Wednesday night, so we don't always get quite up to date with it. But it seems from tonight's episode, uh, Devlin uh, had a little face off with uh, with Walter backstage. So I mean, uh, once that rematch with Dunn's out of the way, I mean, can you see Devlin v Walter in NXT UK, Jamesy? I mean, but, well, actually, before we get to that, I mean, there's been absolutely no spoilers from these New York tapings come out. So, I mean, this match might have already happened. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it feels like if Dunn and Walter are, are the top two guys that I suppose Devlin and maybe Travis are, are then at the next level, you know. Um, and yeah, I mean, they, they, I feel like they they think a lot of Jordan. I feel like they've they, they've pushed him as 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 a pretty strong guy in this second since the second tournament, kind of. As mm. he didn't have a great time in the first tournament, but since the second tournament, they've kept him pretty strong. They've they've put him in feature feuds. They, whether you liked it or not, they gave him the Finn Balor match on that show, which which is, you know, um, whether people liked the fact they did that or not, it shows they think something of him, you know. And mm. I mean, if, if if you're looking for a hot match, I mean, maybe the hottest match in, in European wrestling over the last few years, Devlin Walter, it, it, it will be interesting to see the difference now. Like when we talk about Walter and Dunn going 50-50 with WWE agents involved, be very interesting to see the difference between a match between those two in the WWE environment and comparing it to the matches we've seen in OTT, you know, and like, will it be more 50 50? Will, will the magic still be there? That's a very interesting thing for me to look out for, I think. Have you heard, I mean, have you heard anything about these uh, New York tapings, Benno? 
Nothing at all, no, no. I know, obviously, the Worlds Collide tournament seems to be getting a, a bit of headline. Um, but, yeah, not much really coming out of it, which is, yeah, weird. Uh, interesting to see how they come out and, yeah, whether they do. do. God, let's hope they don't do the, the Devil and Walter match in front of an access crowd. I mean, I believe that Luke Harper, Dominic Jack uh, match got a, a lot of praise this weekend, despite the fact it was in front of an, an access crowd. But, yeah, imagine imagine swapping the, that Dublin crowd with the likes of Jamesy in the crowd, creating all that noise and all that atmosphere and essentially being the third man in the ring for the the devil and walter matches and yeah replace it with the uh, people sat, standing in line to get autographs and uh and buy replica belts <laughs> let's hope not uh, let's hope that the uh, that that's uh, a match that they're saving in the back pocket for the uh the rumored takeover this summer yeah hopefully we can, we can but hope and uh i mean moving away from that and uh onto major league wrestling is a name some listeners will remember from the days of the wrestling channel over here in the uk and europe and uh the promotion made a comeback in 2017 and has uh, gone from strength to strength utilizing well-known names such as the lucha brothers jimmy havoc and filthy tom lawler and mixing it in with a uh, a lot of up-and-comers, and they capped off a successful week of TV tapings and a Battle Riot special over Mania weekend with the announcement that the TV show Fusion is going to be airing on Free Sports in the UK and Ireland every Monday at 10pm. And I caught up with uh, the CEO of the company, Court Bauer, to talk the new TV deal and much, much more. And we're back on the show, and joining us is MLW founder and president, Court Bauer. Court, thanks for joining us this week. Good to be on with you, and I got to correct you. I'm actually the CEO. I used to be the president. It's just semantics, but now I'm I'm the uh, CEO. I don't know what that really means. I'm still the boss, just a different title. Right. Okay. The boss. The boss CEO of uh, MLW. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's it's been just over a week since uh, the madness of WrestleMania week. Um, you're in the thick of things with TV tapings and a battle riot special. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah. have you recovered? These weeks seem to be getting bigger and bigger with more shows every year. I mean, I imagine you were being pulled in all sorts of directions. I literally just recovered. Uh, WrestleMania week uh, can give everyone, in terms of fandom, a fever. And it actually gave me a fever. <laughs> and, uh, I was rather under the weather, along with a lot of our staff and some of our wrestlers and crew. Uh, just, and, you know, WrestleMania week tends to do that you just tend to get sick i mean you're you're working long hours you're shaking a million hands and there's only so much purell in the world but uh you know then there's, you're not sleeping a lot especially the wrestlers and the crew sometimes are working several shows uh over the course of a day so it's just there's a just so much time to get things done sleep and so on and uh, so we i think everyone in the wrestling world fans to the talent to the front offices i think the week after is such a nice relief because you can heal up, you can rest up. And for us, I mean, I just was just exhausted, but then we had to move into our new offices. So we thought that'd be a great opportunity right after WrestleMania. I'll be a little quiet. Let's get this, this done. And, you know, to do it when you're sick was not fun, but, uh, you know, the show must go on and the move must go on. So it was, it was a really exciting week for us, a successful week, but it's nice to now be recovering from it and uh, look ahead. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, obviously, you've got so much packed into your schedule and seems to be hundreds and hundreds of shows going on. Um, did you have a chance to check out any other of the shows that were going on that week? No, because like our schedule was Tuesday and Wednesday we did pre-tapes, which is you know the interviews and angles and stuff that will fill out our TV shows. We did two days of TV tapings, which will fill out roughly seven weeks of programming for us. And so... 
that's basically a, you know from Tuesday, Wednesday, then the shows being Thursday and Friday. And then you're into Saturday, and you know you're basically Saturday's the day for us where we're just like trying to recover from and try to feel like a human being again after like a very intense uh, production week. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get the luxury of watching any of the shows. I still want to watch some of the shows, and I will uh, on a bit of a delay, but. Uh, you know, you're going all day. You're starting for us. It's like you really start around 9 a.m. with production meetings, day of your event. Uh, and then we go right to the arena, start filming stuff, going through matches, coordinating things. And you're there doing all this stuff. And it, the time flies, but it's just nonstop until the show's over. And once the show's over, you got to show the next day. So you're at least I at the age of 40 now, I'm going back to my house and, and recharging, getting ready for the next day. Some some savages out there are going to go wild and throughout the night and did. And I think they may have regretted it by the agent <laughs> meeting at nine, nine thirty the next morning. But, uh, you know, next year, I don't know if we'll do another one. Our show sold out. They were great and all that. It's just the logistics needed to you know, process all this. I mean, Google hasn't created an algorithm that can handle that. It, it, there's so much going on. It's, it, there's a lot of things happening. Guys get injured, flights get delayed, shows are, you know, actually that worked out great. The, just syncing up with other promoters to make sure our talent was available to them and vice versa. That was actually the easy part. You know, the things you can't anticipate, you know, LA parks flight being delayed and then being grounded in another state. And then he can't get off the plane because he's from Mexico and all the political issues and going on and so on. Yeah. It became, you know, those kind of things you can't anticipate, but that still worked out. Uh, we had one injury with Jimmy Havoc, but otherwise, you know, it went, couldn't gone, couldn't have gone better, but you know, next year, I think I'd like to maybe uh, sit back and enjoy it. Maybe we'll do an event. Maybe it won't be a TV taping. So it won't be so involved. Uh, TV tapings are not your typical show. It's you know, from a creative presentation and so on. It, it's a totally different animal. To do a iPay-per-view would be radically less ambitious, but also probably more easier to do for us uh, and help manage other people's schedules. So we'll see what we do next year if we do anything. Uh, Tampa is inviting because it's warm weather. Uh, so uh, I guess we'll, we'll, it's too early to say, but uh, time will tell. I mean, you talked about the uh, logistics going into um, putting on shows um, for WrestleMania week. I mean, do you think it's reached breaking point? I mean, there's certainly a lot of successful shows, you know, like yourselves and GCW, just to name a couple. But then you see others sort of drawing handfuls of people. I mean, you think uh, Mania Week's become a bit oversaturated? I mean, I know there's a lot of fans concentrated in one area, but it'll be certainly interesting to see what happens in... Tampa, because although it's a big city, it's not one of your key American cities like Orlando or New York. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly a great city. It's a little bit uh, possibly more spread out for some. Uh, you know, I, I guess there's always – I mean, I remember five years ago, there was no one doing anything on Thursday night. So Wale and I decided to do Wale Mania because we figured, well, there's nothing you're going up against. Well, five years later, Thursday night is the hottest night for wrestling, and it's totally changed. I mean, you could think that maybe it'll die down. I could also argue maybe it'll start on Wednesday soon, and you'll have the hottest shows Wednesdays, and then Thursdays and Friday will be something else. It's so hard to know, but I part of me thinks it really won't die down. I think there's now more than ever an appetite for different types of wrestling, You know, whether it's your – your MLW experience or something else. I think fans are just looking for variety uh, and, and fans maybe that come in from Australia or Great Britain and haven't seen a product. They, they want to check it out. It's their one time 
the during the year that they can do that. So I don't know. If, uh, I don't think it's going to I don't think we're going to see it go down until we see it go down. I think if anything, it might get bigger. Different concepts will be introduced that will maybe keep fans coming back for more. I don't think you can just do the same old, same old and expect the same results, even if you knock it out of the park. Uh, but, you know, it, 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 as a promoter, you always expect it to get hotter and hotter until it cools off and then you start scratching your head. Right. Uh, so, uh, I anticipate it will probably continue to get hotter. Uh, you know, Tampa is, 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 is a good city in terms of just Florida. You know, it's not too far from South Florida, Southeast end. Uh, it's an hour and change from, uh, Orlando. So it's a, it's in a good direction or location, uh, for, for folks in Florida. And I think, you know, in terms of an airport, it's a very desirable airport to fly into. Um, but we'll see, I mean, the venues down there, uh, aren't as plentiful as it was in the Northeast and the New York, uh, tri-state area. Uh, so, you know, those create unique challenges. Uh, we'll see what, what comes. Uh, I, I have a feeling though, it'll probably be similar to New York, maybe, maybe easier, maybe more challenging. I don't really know. Yeah, it'll certainly be interesting to see. But, um, I mean, immediately following WrestleMania week, you announced that you were partnering with Free Sports over here in the UK to broadcast MLW. And, I mean, that started with Battle Riot and then your weekly TV show Fusion, which is broadcasting every Monday night. I mean, how did this deal come about? Was TV in the UK something you were looking for, or was it uh, Free Sports that approached you about it? Do you remember wrestling, uh, the wrestling channel a million years ago? I do indeed, yes. <laughs> yeah, you know, that was our MLW's first dip into the United Kingdom waters, and uh, that was something that was at the top of my list uh, in terms of being able to do again in 2018-2019 with MLW. Uh, one of the most uh, important markets to be in for media rights, but also the fan base there. I mean, I think... I look back at this big surge in, in excitement for non-WWE wrestling product, even WWE wrestling, and it really seems like the, uh, the cradle of life for this wrestling boom in a lot of ways can be tracked back to uh, the United Kingdom and Ireland and seeing just how wrestling over the last several years, be it Progress, PCW, so on and so forth, really started to see this groundswell for something different and it, it kind of became contagious and transferred over to the United States and the beyond. And so I think, you know, you look at that fan base, you look at what media rights are, it, it's a, it's a no brainer to come over and do something. Uh, but you have to have the right deal. And it took us some time to find our, the right partner that we, we felt was the right deal. And free sports was that. And, uh, and we're really happy to have premiered this past Monday on, on free sports every Monday night, 10 PM, uh, and they'll be doing live uh, specials. Some might be on a delay. Some might be live. Of course, they'll be in probably not a, at a desirable hour, yeah. many, <laughs> given where we are in the time delay and all that. But uh, I, I think there's a lot of uh, opportunity on the horizon for this partnership. So we're excited. And for us, you know, we pr- try to present our product as a more sports-centered product, a little bit more with a, a touch of classic wrestling thrown in in the hallmarks of what wrestling used to be, uh, but through the prism of it being a sport. 
So, I mean, um, you talked there about, um, obviously, there's um, a huge appetite for wrestling in the UK, and obviously you guys um, have been using Jimmy Havoc quite a lot on uh, MLW, mm-hmm. and uh, used Avalanche and Emil Stitochi from WXW in Germany yeah. on your Battle yeah. Riot show. I mean, is the UK and Europe somewhere you've been keeping an eye on uh, for what talent you could bring in? Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. And there's so many great companies uh, developing new talent, young talent, uh, and then presenting some of the established talent. Uh, and it's it's really important for us to have talent from around the world. We want talent from Japan. We just had Minoru Tanaka come in from Pro Wrestling Noah. We've had a lot of talent from Mexico. We've had talent from Canada. And, of course, Jimmy Havoc from Great Britain, I thought, was, you know, he's been uh, having a presence at MLW for the last two years. So, yes. Uh, and it's important for us just to, like I was saying earlier, you know, present the the product as a sport, and that's why you see us on sports networks as tra- as compared to maybe more of the traditional networks that have hosted pro wrestling over the last several years. Here in the U.S., we're on BN Sports as an example. I mean, you have got a really varied roster at MLW. I mean, you use well-known names mixed in with up-and-comers, but I mean, with the WWE seemingly stockpiling talent in Florida and also the launch of NXT UK over here, meaning wrestlers can only work for WWE-affiliated promotions. I mean, is it hard to stay ahead of the curve when it comes to finding and keeping wrestlers? Uh, You know, that's just something I've had to do, you know, um, finding guys before someone else finds them and and trying to develop them and, of course, get them to uh, sign on to be a part of MLW. And, and uh, we've been very fortunate. Uh, we've gotten some great talent, guys like Jacob Fatu, Mance Warner, Brian Pillman Jr., uh, and some veterans like Teddy Hart, Davey Boy Smith Jr., uh, and prospects that have really started to, I think, kind of have big years like Myron Reed, uh, Jordan Oliver, who's only 19. So, you know, it's always important to have, like, a good mix, and both in age and experience, but also in, I think, um, presentation, you know, I like guys that are super heavyweights. I also like guys that can fly, I like guys that can go. I want variety. I want, you know, it's like going to the circus. You know, you want the strong man. You want a little bit of the acrobats. You want a little bit of something with meat to it. Uh, so I, my thing is just variety, present variety. And, and that way, maybe something will speak to you. Maybe something won't, but there's enough there that hopefully keeps you. Uh, if you try to be too much of one thing, you're really now being a very specific product, and sometimes you can you can hit it big with that, but sometimes it's you're missing a large part of the audience with that kind of presentation. But as well as like in ring, I suppose um, MLW's uh, done a really good job um, outside the ring. Obviously, inspired move bringing in Jim Cornette again to uh, do commentary, yeah. and then obviously you've got uh, people like Selena Delarenta who's uh, become quite the fan favorite, hasn't she? Yeah. Yeah, Selena uh, is one of those once-in-a-generation style uh, talents that you just don't come across very often. When I first saw a picture of her, I said, okay, this this is someone that has the it factor. Then you speak with her and you start producing her and develop the talent. You see, wow, she's really – she. you don't have to tell her something twice. She gets it and she even makes it better. Uh, Jim Cornette recently said you know, he hasn't, he hasn't seen a female performer like that since he worked with Sonny in Smoky Mountain. And that was almost 30 years ago, which is makes me feel old, but, uh, it's, it's, it, that's a hell of an endorsement because Jim just doesn't throw those out. And I, I was always feeling in the back of my mind, she's very, reminds me of some of the qualities of Sonny in terms of just instinctively has it and got it very quickly. 
uh, Selena does. I mean, she is, she is extraordinary. And when you realize she's only 22, you go, wow, you know, just thinking about her future. It's, it's, she's, there's a reason why she was the first, um, female I signed to a contract. Uh, the first male talent was MJF and similar parallels there. Uh, really talented guy. He's also 22 instinctively gets a fast learner student of the game, uh, just unlimited upside and uh you see what he's done in his young career it's pretty impressive yeah most definitely and i mean um i mean i brought up nxt uk a minute ago i mean mm-hmm. wwe's partnered with a number of high profile promotions over here in the uk such as progress and icw and obviously red pro got their affiliation with new japan now um, are you looking at the uk and europe as maybe somewhere to introduce mlw as an alternative and run live shows here in the future yeah, I don't, you know, you got to be very careful because whenever you enter a different market and it just, there's inherent risk, you know, in terms of just the cost of doing it, you got to be very strategic. And one of the things I remember talking about when I used to have the Bauer and Pollock show with John was, you know, we were looking at the UK and it being such a, a vibrant place to find all these cool things. I remember saying at the time, you got to be careful to protect this very fragile ecosystem. Uh, there's a lot of disruption since that podcast i did with john and you see how uh, the landscapes changed a little bit uh and you know so i would want to be careful just to see okay well what could we do that's realistic and what could we do that fans would enjoy what could we do that wouldn't disrupt but actually be a fun and exciting and welcoming experience uh you know i, I, I want it to be i want the conditions to be perfect for us to do something if they're not I'm going to be, I'm risk adverse when it comes to that. So uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, I would love to do a show. I think there's an appetite for it. Uh, I think right now it's, it's too early. We're just starting TV. Um, when and where we'll see. Uh, I've talked to some uh, of the folks out there, different promoters uh, about doing possibly something. Uh, we'll wait and see what happens. Uh, nothing can come of it. Maybe something grand can come of it. We'll see. I mean, uh, just to wrap up, uh, MLW's gone from strength to strength since uh, you relaunched in 2017. And uh, what can people expect uh, coming up in the rest of 2019? Well, you know, it's, it's continued to introduce more talent from a variety of different backgrounds and just continue to pour heat on our product. I think that's one of the hallmarks of Major League Wrestling is we're not afraid to get heat. We're not afraid to go into those different areas to uh, you know, you want great wrestling in the ring, but you want to be able to invest in the babyface's journeys. You want to have contempt for the heels, uh, and and that's kind of the DNA of the product. So more more heat is in, is on the horizon. But uh, you know, we want to continue just to build on this momentum. I think in the ring, just great new matchups. Uh, and seeing some of the uh, current feuds reach their culmination. I know that's no big shocker, but we re- I really do believe in having a, hopefully a fulfilling end to some of our stories that we're telling. Um, some of them are just heating up. Some of them are ready to blow off soon. And uh, you know, the ascension of Filthy Tom as world champion. Uh, we're going to be introducing a secondary championship uh, that will be rolling out in the next few days, and uh, that will – kind of help us kind of set in motion some of our other talent. Uh, so those are some things on the horizon, and, and we're really gifted just with a great crew, uh, great locker room, and uh, we have a, a nice variety of people behind the scenes producing the talent, developing the talent, along with myself. Uh, 
a very eclectic but uh, also very experienced group of people, uh, including Alex Greenfield, who was a head writer for WWE. Mm-hmm. We don't do scripts. We don't script promos. We give outlines, and uh, we kind of try to get into the talent's head and help them get out the persona they want out that is in line with what I want. Um, we don't uh, we don't overcoach, and we just try to get what we can out of them. But we have Jim Cornette behind the scenes as well as Conan. Uh, Alex, myself, George Carroll, who was the uh, very involved with New Japan over the last few years, uh, MSL, and uh, many, many talented guys. So uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what we have ahead of us. In fact, I have in front of me as I'm doing this interview uh, the next three cards, and we're just I have a pencil out, and I'm now erasing and removing things around today because it's a quiet day to do that. So it's a good day to do it. Uh, so we'll see what's ahead, but I really would love to do more. Uh, on a global level with MLW in 2019, 2020. That's really our next phase is taking this thing global. And uh, with the right deals, I think that's possible. Free sports is part of that. And, um, of course, you can catch MLW Fusion every Monday at 10 p.m. on Free Sports in the U.K., being TV in the USA, and, uh, of course, MLW.com and at MLW on Twitter. Court, thank you for taking the time to uh, speak with us this week. Martin, anything for you in the post. (laughs) Excellent. Thank you. And huge thanks to Court for joining us there. I really enjoyed chatting to him. I know he was suffering from that uh, post-mania flu that a lot of people seem to get. Obviously, a lot of (laughs) handshaking and a lot of uh, heavily air-conditioned buildings with a lot of people crammed into them. And, uh, I mean, just before we head out of here, there's some uh, small news items. Uh, Session Moth Martina has been announced for uh, CZW's annual Tournament of Death. Uh, past winners have included uh, my very own Jimmy Havoc. And, uh, I mean, Benno, you're usually a big fan of these uh, tournaments. Uh, this was a, <laughs> an announcement kind of out of left field, but Martina's been getting a lot of bookings in the USA recently. Look, I watch it for journalistic purposes, Martin. Now we've got a <laughs> got another Euro in the tournament. I'm going to have to watch it, aren't I? Uh, yeah, I couldn't believe it. I was scratching my head. It felt like a bit. It felt like it just making fun of people on Twitter, like it was going to be an April Fool's joke or they were going to, yeah, she's going to come to her senses, maybe. Uh, God, I don't know what Martina Sessionmoth in Tournament of Death looks like. I suppose, I suppose you can come... I, th- I think she's gonna. If she's gonna be there, she's gonna be taking the bumps. I can't imagine a way around it. I think there's a certain degree she'll be able to cover with comedy. Um, you know, so she can go out in the first round, can't she? Uh, maybe take one big nasty bump. Uh, whether it's into a barbed wire trampoline that I think Jimmy Havoc took uh, the year before yeah. last, or or through a glass plane that uh, that Clint Margera took. Um, or, or something else like that. I'd imagine maybe we'll get that. Yeah, one big bump and then mass the rest with comedy because, yeah, God love her for, for going out there and trying, but certainly out of uh, left field. I mean, uh, Jamesy, any thoughts on uh, Martina in the tournament of death here other than what Ben has already said? Yeah, it's a weird one. Um, it, it, it has been a bit that she has done on Twitter for quite a long time. That there was a hashtag going there, a session mod for Tournament of Debt or something like that. And they clearly listened. Like, And in fairness to her, I feel like they gain more from her being in the tournament than she might gain from being in the tournament, if you know what I mean. Mm. I, I think CZW at this stage are, you know, they have no buzz whatsoever you know I, I i don't think they're drawing very good crowds 
you don't hear about people watching. I can't remember the last time I even paid attention to what happened on a CZW show. So for them to get someone like her who has a really big online presence, who has a very loyal following is is probably a good thing just from curiosity value alone. You know, um, she has done plunder matches before. She's done mm. thumbtacks. She's gone through tables. She doesn't shy away from that kind of thing. But I mean, it's one thing thumbtacks and tables. It's another <laughs> thing doing barbed wire, panes of glass, light tubes, that kind of thing. You know, um, I, I think I just hope that they look after her, you know, and I hope they put her in with somebody like a Ricky Shane Page who'll take care of her and that kind of thing, you know, because um, it's a bit like it's, it's you know, we talked about Mania weekend. It feels like Game Changer Wrestling have completely stolen CCW's thunder in terms of being a, a D death match promotion in America now, you know, mm-hmm. and um, like concurrently to, to Tournament of Death, they're running their own Tournament of Survival, I think. And like the names they're announcing for it are, are the likes of the great Sasuke, Nick Gage. They have Kenta coming for an appearance at it. That's, you know, they're the the deathmatch company with the buzz. Nobody's watching CZW. So from their point of view, it's a great get for them, you know. Well, we, we know Benno will definitely watch it. Benno will do it, yeah. Hey, I, I might go to 20 shows at Mania Weekend, but I actually did <laughs> skip CZW. So, yeah. <laughs> Weren't you going to send JP over on a mission? You're going to get a GoFundMe going or something and send him off to, to Del- yeah. Delaware. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, JP from a grapple show. We love us a good match. Go. So maybe yeah. I'll take, yeah. take him with me. Maybe we can both uh, head out there and, uh, and cheer on Session Moth. There you go. Exactly. That would be fantastic. The road diaries of uh, JP and Bennett. <laughs> to that would be fantastic. I'd definitely buy that DVD. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, same with Irish news. OTT have announced their return to the National Basketball Arena on the 23rd of June and they've announced a couple of names so far for this uh, Bandido. And then uh, Darby Allen and Puma King are going to be making um, their debuts um, for the promotion. I think that's the first time they'll have wrestled over in Ireland, isn't it, Jamesy? Uh, Bandido was over once before. He was at the the stadium show last year that had the New Japan guys. He was in a six-man tag, him and Flamita and somebody else against LIJ. So he's been over. Um, oh, Strickland. Shane Strickland was with him in that tag team match. Um, Puma King's debut. Darby Allen's debut. I'm delighted to see him coming over. He's a kind of a, a guy who hasn't really done a European tour yet. A guy that I have an awful lot of time for. I think he's he's a star in the making. Um, but the, the, the funny thing just based on those announcements already is OTT have done it again. Like they've got an ROH guy on the card. They've got an AEW guy on the card. Um, the, the If you go onto the Eventbrite page, it says that Walter and Jordan Devlin are going to be on the card. So if WWE, ROH, AEW, all on the one card again, it's like normal rules just don't seem to apply to us over here in Dublin. It's crazy. Yeah, that's it. I suppose you can make an argument for Puma King being an MLW slash Impact guy, maybe. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, it's, yeah it's just it, such an eclectic mix, like, yeah. It's crazy, but yeah, it's uh, three days after my birthday. The flights are £19 each way. I've promised it a few times on this show, but I am booking it tonight. I'm flying out for this. I've got to. Brilliant. I'd love to see Bandido. I'd love just love to be at an OTT show live, to be honest. Uh, lineup looks interesting so far. I'm guessing... We're going to get a big show. We're kind of, we're not really getting those medium shows at the moment, are we, Jamesy, from OTT? Everything's kind of a big showstopper at the moment because of the, the size of the venue that they're, they're having to run again. Um, but yeah, I'm expecting big things on the show. And yeah, I'm, uh, I'll definitely uh, buy you a pint while I'm there. Absolutely. You, you'll, you'll get a very warm Irish welcome, Benno, anytime. <laughs> 
And uh, we've also got a packed weekend coming up this weekend. Uh, I mean, Benno, you and Will went into depth on the last episode, but uh, this weekend sees the annual Fight Club Pro Dream Tag Team Invitational taking place in Wolverhampton and Manchester over three days. I mean, stacked lineup for this thing as always. You know, you've got the likes of Ray Horace, Os- Will Ospreay, you've got Eater and Pack teaming together, Lucha Brothers, Schadenfreude, Sh- Chris Brooks, and Kyle Fletcher. I mean, a massive lineup here. It's, it's something similar to what you would have seen on uh, some of those Mania weekend shows, Benno. Yeah, that's it. Walter and uh, Phoenix for me is the standout match there. There from the from what's uh, been announced so far. Uh, that's on the Saturday in Wolverhampton. I don't think I'm going to make to that show, but I am going to be in Manchester on Sunday for the for the finals. Uh, to be honest, it's similar to Super Strong Style. It's not. It's a tournament very heavy on people from outside. Um, but for someone like me who's just going to be, you know, floating in and out, I don't watch Fight Club Pro month to month like uh, like me and Will were talking about. I will jump in for for these kind of big shows. Uh, yeah, that lineup to me, uh, Pack and I will, will be interested in the tournament. LAX being over, uh, I might be the only man in the world who still watches Impact, but I am actually somewhat excited about seeing OVE, Johnny and Jody uh, being in that tournament as well. Uh, yeah, for me, and I've seen some complaints from people of maybe there being too many uh, inputs and imports in the tournament, but it's the dream invita- dream tag invitational tournament, so uh, it makes sense to me to do that, and uh, certainly uh, sold uh, some tickets to to me and my mates for Sunday. Is Fight Club Pro um, a promotion you check out uh, regularly, James? Or is something you dip in and out of? Very much dip in and out of. I I, I feel like Fight Club Pro is very much more of a live experience promotion. Yeah. I, I, I only ever hear of people having a great time at the show. Um, I, I, In fact, I, I only ever hear of people enjoying the social side of the show and you actually <laughs> don't hear much about the wrestling in a lot of cases with just on Twitter and the timeline and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like it, when it comes to the end of the year, a match of the year, it's very rarely there's any Fight Club Pro matches on there you know but um it's i'd like to go sometime i think it would be a great experience live um and yeah like it's 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 a good tournament on paper there's, there's quite a few irish going over actually there's a contingent so you'll probably see or hear a few of those as well Benno, on your travels at the weekend um it's great to see jody and johnny in there again kind of from from the you know a couple of guys like james mason who came along a little bit early um, and missed out on, on, on the current boom in Brit rest. So it's great to see those guys getting a stage again. And I hope they, I hope the crowd kind of shows them respect and, and it cheers for them as well, you know. And uh, coming up the weekend after that, uh, in your neck of woods, Benno, is uh, for the Love of Wrestling convention at the Exhibition Centre in Liverpool. I mean, this has got a stacked lineup, uh, like Sir Chris Jericho, Ric Flair, Rob Van Dam, and uh, The Undertaker or is being advertised now, Mark Calloway and... Uh, Another promotion inside the ropes have also booked the undertake of some uh, evening with shows at the end of the month, but uh, in no fault of the organisers, the undertaker's only going to be signing and doing pitches at these events, and the Q and A portion of the show is now going to be done by Mick Foley at the inside the ropes events. And I mean, this has to do something with Undertaker signing some new deal with WWE, but this is a huge blow for the organisers and the fans who spent like. Mm-hmm. Hundreds of pounds on tickets for these shows that there's going to be no Q&A because obviously that's the big draw for people, isn't it, Benno? Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous, really. I mean, I don't know what could be in a WWE contract that would stop. I mean, Undertaker, he's appearing anyway. It's not getting filmed. It's not like it's streaming live on Fight. Uh, it's going to be purely for the people... Uh, 
the people who were there that I know people who spent a lot of money uh, to get to see Undertaker and yeah, they're going to get to take their, their photo or they're going to get their autograph, which a lot of people have paid a lot of money for. But it's just that the, the, the fact that Undertaker is going to be sat backstage while McFoley's on stage telling stories about his career. It's just all a bit embarrassing, really. And I've I've seen Inside the Ropes take some shtick. I know they've had a, a couple of issues with, with shows recently, uh, but I don't think you can blame them for this one. I'm sure they had everything in place and I'm sure... It's Undertaker's side that have pulled, have you know, been pulling. I'm guessing there was some to and froing, and you've ended up with the Undertaker side basically only agreeing to to what they've agreed with here. So I suppose you could, I suppose we can thank the the tournament organizers for you know at least getting this for the Undertaker fans. But yeah, if I was going, you know, you'll still have a smile on your face taking your picture with Undertaker, but you couldn't uh, could be mad at a, a few fans being quite frustrated at uh, at being there and not getting uh, a lot of what they they paid for. Um, and moving back to the For the Love of Wrestling convention, I mean, uh, I've mentioned a few names there. Uh, are you adding to that? Big Kevin Nash is going to be there as well with Scott Hall. <laughs> yeah, uh, Sir Vicious is going to be there. Jeff Jarrett's going to be there. Brutus the Barber of Beefcake. It's, a, it's an impressive <laughs> list of names. Yeah, Steve Kern. There you go. Yeah, uh, we've got a, got a lot of big names. Um, yeah, I'm going to go. Uh, again, it's not really my scene. There's going to be, it's, I, I imagine it's uh, the meet and greets with the individual wrestlers is going to, is not going to be cheap. Uh, but I've got to go. I'd love to, just to be there in the same building as, yeah, Sid Vicious is over there. Kevin Nash is over there. Jeff Jarrett's doing deals in the corner, as only Jeff Jarrett can. Uh, yeah, I've definitely. It, it's happening in Liverpool City Centre. Not that a lot of people know. I mean, the amount of wrestling fans I speak to who haven't been aware. I think they've done a better job of promoting it this last week or so with a couple of competitions on Twitter that I've seen. And we're finally starting to get out that this big thing is happening. But yeah, got to be there. History being made in Liverpool. And uh, yeah, hopefully uh, they do come back and uh, and do another one. Uh, Future Shock show there as well, as far as in-ring co- uh, shows go. So yeah. Uh, no, no real excuse for for me not to at least go over and uh, have a little of a bit of a browse. And uh, I, I almost forgot. Obviously, we didn't think this match was going to go ahead, but uh, TNT Wrestling, obviously, in your neck of woods, um, will be having um, Pentagon Junior against Pack Headline in their next show next Thursday as well, won't they? I mean, uh, it's a, it's, I'm surely that's piqued your interest as well. Yeah, that's tomorrow, uh, a time of recording. Uh, TNT, I've got a little bit of a rep recently with switching round cards, especially where Pac's involved. Uh, as far as I know, the match is still on. Uh, I believe Penta and Phoenix have landed in the UK, so I'm pretty confident. But yeah, that's a big match. Guessing Pac goes over. Uh, or there's a non-finish. Uh, but yeah, that happened again. Liverpool City Centre, who knew it would be the, the hotbed of uh, wrestling this last month or so. Uh, but yeah, definitely. TNT's a, like a hardcore, extreme promotion, very ECW retro. That's not always for me. Uh, but that's a match that, yeah, I'm uh, I'm definitely not going to miss in my hometown. I wonder where the bar is going to be, uh, that all the wrestlers will be at next weekend in Liverpool, because that will do some uh, crazy business with all those guys in town, won't it? I mean, uh, yeah, <laughs> that should be interesting for sure. Uh, imagine going on a night eye in Liverpool, not aware of this convention's happening and bumping into all those guys in a bar, that'd be quite amusing. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, before we leave here, Benno, you've uh, got things off to a fantastic start for your new venture with uh, Grapple. 
Yeah, uh, we've uh, we did our WrestleMania weekend coverage last weekend. Uh, we did a podcast every morning, which might explain why I watch so many shows, or at least it justifies it to me. Uh, so you can check that out. Uh, we just released an episode uh, on Monday as well, talking uh, the latest news in in Wild Wrestling, as well as Brit Res uh, and a couple of other things we've been watching. You can check all that out at grapple.podbean.com. And also, if you haven't already, I was on the Post Wrestling Cafe with uh, with John and Way uh, last week. Uh, you can check that out on YouTube too and in the in the main post wrestling feed yeah really enjoyed that show uh obviously you guys all recapping how crazy uh mania week was uh them doing it live and you were watching it at home and uh jamesy have you have you got anything coming up uh, soon like fine spirit magazine or any plugs you want to get in yeah i should have a review in the next um episode of fighting spirit magazine um and also i was just talking to the great alan forel there yesterday and we have uh we have our we have a bit of an idea about a project that some of the staff in the magazine are going to be doing that will be i think it'll be of good interest to any any fans of british wrestling either i think it'll be something that you'll see maybe in one of the magazines kind of july august time later on in the year um and i think it's something that will will anyone who's a fan of british wrestling really will will really enjoy it i think so i I probably shouldn't say any more than that but something to look Mm -hmm. out for um and my twitter is at jamesy underscore 2015 uh, very intrigued to see this article, so uh, be looking forward to that. And uh, of course, Post Wrestling Forum, forum.postwrestling.com, leave us your feedback for this week's show. And uh, we'll be back on the 1st of May talking the Fight Club Pro Dream Tag Invitational and all the latest from European wrestling. <laughs>